welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on one of the premier strength coaches in all of hockey. He works with the who's who of NHL players, and he's one of the top people in his profession in the game, and that is Matt Nickel. And it was such an awesome conversation with Matt. He right now is the owner of Paragenic Systems, and again, he works with some of the top hockey players in the world. So it was very, very fun to have him on. Jeff is uh, really, really excited about this one. So let's get over to Matt. But before we do, let's get on to the guy who is so excited about having Matt on here, Jeff Lavecchio. Vex, what's up today, man? We can get into the Roxbury. <laughs> Basically what happened in this episode was unreal having Matt Nickel on. Uh, awesome guy. I, I really 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 like this podcast and for me you know i'm a big uh uh guy into training and this, i really nerd out on this stuff so it was it was cool having him on and it was cool having him talk about like tangible things in the gym and also the intangible things in the gym which everybody will hear about in this episode but you know with with science and and how much is going into training nowadays and how how what so much more is is intense and trackable and all these things there's still just like in hockey where it's probably just as important the stuff that you can't track and like obviously i i like tracking stuff but like i love the stuff that you can't track and trying to teach players that stuff same as on the ice like you can't teach a guy to really want to block a shot or you can't quantify that but when you're coaching somebody who's really into doing that stuff and lays it all on the line, like you love having that guy on your team. It's the same with me in the gym. Like I love kind of helping people find how to work on those intangible things, not just all the things that we can track. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, that that's what I was interested in. Like the tangible stuff, that's what you guys do. And that's what you guys do so well. And we obviously talked a little bit about that, but the intangible stuff that can translate you know, into whatever teamwork and, and just all the things in life. And it was just like, he's a very, like, very inspiring guy. Like I can imagine being in the, in the gym with him and just like being ready to run through a brick wall, ready to go. And I think that's a sign of a really good strength coach. And as somebody who knows nothing about strength and conditioning um, and, and stuff like that, like, I always had a lot of respect for my strength coaches who just like always brought it just like they always expect us to bring it in the gym or our coaches always expect us to bring it on the ice. Like we have to expect that of our coaches too. And I had a strength coach at Cornell, Tom Holly, who was unreal. Like it could be 5am or it could be 7pm and he had the same amount of energy and he like held you accountable and he didn't even really need to hold you accountable though, because you just wanted to work your hardest for him. Like that was the thing. Like he never even had to tell you, like, make sure you get to the line because you just didn't want to disappoint him. I think that's like a, uh, you know, like a mark of a really good coach. A hundred percent. And I mean, I think I might've said this on the podcast. I've definitely said it before. I can't remember, but uh, you know, I've read other strength coaches talking about this. Like if you can get a hundred percent out of like a B program or you know, 80% out of an A program, you're going to get more by getting a hundred percent out of the B program. So like, I've tried to use that in my philosophy, how I approach 
how I personally train and coach and act in the gym. I want to get everything out of my athletes. And if my program is good and I can do that, then it's like a win-win. And uh, he, he obviously understands that. And what's funny is I talked to, to uh, somebody immediately when we got off the call with him, I talked to somebody else up in Toronto, who's, who's with a, a new supplement company. And all he had to say was like exactly what we said when we got off the podcast with Matt, like he's an unbelievable guy. He's a guy who will do anything for anyone. And I actually had a kid who I've been training uh, up in Timmins rock using my uh, online training programs. And I sent their junior team, some training programs who, when he saw that we had Matt on, he messaged me and he's like, Matt is such a good guy. He's one of the only uh, strength coaches on Instagram that's ever messaged me back other than you. And, you know, I'm a nobody and Matt Nichols, a, a massive guy in the training field field. So like that, again, just like told me, like, he's just as real as it gets. He's a, he's a great guy. He's down to earth. He's honest. And he, and he's all in it for his athletes. So um, very, very cool conversation with him. And and I believe in buying everything he says. Yeah, for sure. And like for the people who aren't really familiar with like, you know, the who's who of the NHL, like this is a big get. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, yeah. this is a and huge NFL. get. Yeah. And yeah. CFL. He trains NFL, CFL, NHL. He trains big. Yeah. Games, his, man. his background's in football. Yeah, for sure. Like I was so excited when I reached out to him and, and he reached back out and said he would be willing to do the podcast because he, like he is, he is at the top of his profession. And again, not having the strength and conditioning background that you guys do, where you were able to talk about some of those kinds of things. Like I love talking to people who are the best at what they do and to trying to get into their mindset and try to learn uh, just how they go about their days and the things that they do and the things that are important to them because um, it, to, to, to be the best, you have to surround yourself with the best. So being able to learn from him and ask him some questions about mindset things. And um, again, it's so funny how like every single person that we talk to at the top of their field, they always talk about adversity and resiliency being one of the most important things that you can have in terms of a, a skill. And we talked a lot about that on the podcast and this was just a really, really fun conversation. Yeah. And I mean, it's funny, like how you do anything is how you do everything. And the more that we talk to these elite people, the more same things over and over. And, and I consider you an elite person, an elite coach, an elite hockey thinker. And you talk about resiliency more than almost anyone I know, you know, and, and he's talking about it and I'm talking about like, it's just all these things, like everything is just, we're all in different fields, but we're all saying the same thing in our own respective field. And when you can work in these different fields as a player, whether it's with a skill coach or your actual coach and a strength coach and a mental coach and this coach, and then you, you're always the same with all of them. You're working at like a 10 at every skill level. And then you put them all together and our powers combined captain planet, you know, like that's the goal. I love this stuff. You remember captain? Planet or no? I mean, I know the name. I wasn't, I oh, didn't watch it, God. but Wow. You're dead to me. <laughs> um, it, it is, it's interesting though, right? Because like resiliency, that's a skill that translates fields. You know, like you talk about there's certain skills like stick handling or skating in hockey or, you know, power and strength and conditioning and things like that, that like, they don't really, they can't translate as much from field to field, but like some of those softer life skills, like those are the things that translate. So if you are a resilient person, you'll be able to be, resilient in whatever field it is that you choose to do you know if right. you're a hard worker you know like just those things 
And, um, you know, it's certainly something that we, we strive to, to be ourselves. And, you know, we encourage all of the people listening to these podcasts to, you know, build those things up in themselves as well, because it'll, it'll help you achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve in whatever field it is that you want to achieve things in. Especially right now with what's going on with hockey going, you know, you can play games and then the next week you can't play games and then you can play small area games and then you got to stand 800 feet apart on the ice, like <laughs> learning resiliency and, and really like teaching that coaching it, whether you're a coach or a parent coaching that resiliency, teaching that resiliency, applauding uh, resiliency when you see it in your kids, you're coaching or your own kids. Like, I don't know if there's a greater skill that we as humans need to have right now at this time in life. So if there's anything you can take out of this podcast from Matt, from us, it's, you know, appreciating resiliency, applauding resiliency, keeping kids learning how to be resilient. Like setbacks are okay. Quote unquote failures are okay. Pick yourself back up by your bootstraps, learn from it and get better. And that's, that's probably what this entire podcast is all about. I, if we had to boil it down is resiliency. And I think that people just really need to be focusing on that stuff right now. Yeah. Well, we actually had to be resilient on this podcast as well, because uh, you didn't even get into it until about what, 20 minutes in, because we had some technical difficulties on your internet connection on the side. So I wanted to say, I wanted to say something because like I asked the first like four or five, this is like your guy. Like, this is totally Jeff's guy. You, you're, you love Matt. Like, like you are so into it, like with the stuff that he does and everything. And I'm the one asking like the first four or five questions <laughs> and having the conversation. And the only reason why is because your internet connection failed you. So yeah. I wanted to say something like, I'm not that guy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. A AT&T butt clap me, uh, <laughs> my internet, like been really good. And you get on and you, I remember you were being like looking over pointer at me and I, I go to answer a question and I'm talking to you and you're there and you were frozen, but I didn't know you were frozen. So I'm still talking. I'm still talking. Then I get a text from you. Like, are you okay? And I was like, am I okay? I'm, I'm, I'm awesome right now. And then I realized the computer is frozen and I'm like, ah! I want to throw my computer. So then I got to restart my computer. I'm doing the stupid pokey thing with the internet. So for anyone listening, I'm sorry. I couldn't get in questions in the first 10 minutes there, but AT&T clapped my cheeks. So <laughs> that was really funny because I was so happy for you because I know how much you respect Matt and, and obviously him being at the top of his field. And so <laughs> I just, I just felt bad for you that your, uh, your AT&T failed you, but you were resilient yeah. and you, you did very good in the last half. <laughs> I was very resilient. You are correct. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, well, we got some cool things coming up here, everybody. Um, we're actually going to have a really cool episode next week. And uh, I, I should say that uh, it, you're obviously listening to this on Monday. So go check out my and the Hockey Think Tank social media because we're doing a, a contest with a company called Nice Rink and they're a backyard hockey company or a backyard rink company. And obviously, like we all know and love how awesome it is playing in our backyards and so we're doing a, a giveaway with them for two thousand dollar backyard rank for free uh so follow our socials and go check it out uh, to enter to win again a two thousand dollar value backyard rank uh they've been really really fun and then check out our social medias all week uh 
whether it's my social media or nice rink social media, um, because we have a really cool contest. How sweet would it be to just get a free $2,000 backyard rink for your kids? Right. <laughs> so, um, and then, you know, we're going to do some more things over the next week or so, um, to, to continue to promote that. So certainly head over to our social media to check that out and, uh, want to thank our title sponsor, gel sticks, G E L S T X, go to G E L S T X.com for your best weighted training aid stick again like there's some rinks that are shutting down new hampshire shut down massachusetts shut down so there's going to be a lot more uh garage and basement shooting going on uh so again go to gelsticks.com use the coupon code think tank one word to get a discount on your weighted training aids jeffrey would you like to thank your guys at train heroic (laughs) absolutely Tobski. want to thank train heroic for sponsoring the podcast as well it's where i had all of my programs online uh to have hundreds of people over 700 people i think train with me from covid through the last few months had pros in 12 different countries on it and actually i don't know if you saw tof i'm going to send it to you i hope you do it um so many people are always asking like how i train now that i'm retired and I, i i still train athletically but for strength and some other stuff so um, I put out last week that I was going to put exactly what I'm going to be doing for the next four weeks, the exact same days, the exact same workout. I'm putting this up on train heroic. And I had a hundred people message me and say they were going to do it with me. So I will be releasing. I got to do it then. Yeah, but I'll send it to you for free. Obviously I will be releasing this, uh, tomorrow morning, uh, or not this podcast comes out on Monday. I'm going to be releasing it Saturday, but you can join anytime, uh, and join the workouts with me, with the team. There's leaderboards for every lift. Uh, there's a message board so you can talk to me and the other people training with us and you can see exactly how I train now. It's going to be mostly athletic with, with some lifts and it doesn't matter if you're the strongest person alive or you're not. You just do it at your own pace and scale it to you but using the workouts that I will currently be doing and I will help you get ripped. Let's go. I like it. I need it. I still yeah, need it. So I got you, I'm bro. I'm I in. got you. So you just uh, go to Train Heroic app, right? Go to the Train Heroic yeah, app you go to on Train your Heroic, phone. But I'll be I'll be putting a swipe up on my Instagram probably like every day for a week. So that can we talk about that for a second? Can we just talk about that for a second? Because for the people who've been with us with this podcast, I think this is episode 131. So we've been doing it for a while now. Jeffrey Lavecchio. Jeffrey. Scott Lavecchio, I believe your middle name is Scott because that's my last name and your mother's maiden name. You're correct, Ryan. Jeffrey Scott Lavecchio has a blue check mark next to his name (laughs) on Instagram. And I can't tell you to our listeners, you probably know how important that is is to Jehu Jeffrey Lavecchio. (laughs) But this is a monumental moment in American history. I know the election is happening this week. It's a big time in our country, but this is, but nothing bigger bigger than Jeffrey Lavecchio getting that blue check mark next to his name on Instagram. Uh, I can't even tell you how proud he is and how proud I am co-host cousin, family member that you have achieved your dream. Dream. Of getting a if blue have, check mark. If I had Instagram name. when I was playing, I would have had it already, man. It's not that big of a deal, but I'm <laughs> yeah, just happy. Right. I'm just happy that I can like link everything that that I use now because people, uh, man, if you knew how many messages daily, weekly, monthly I get 
What type of supplements do you use? What do you, what do, what do you eat? Where do you grocery shop? Where do you get your toe separators from? What kind of shoes do you like? Just questions all day long. So now literally on my stories on Instagram, I can just be like, here's the link, go ahead, swipe up and you can see what I'm using, what I'm eating, what I'm whatever. And it's been super helpful and I can link our podcast. So now people who maybe are on the fence about listening or whatever, they go to my Instagram story, they just swipe up and it takes them right to that day's podcast episode. So it's been, uh, it's been really cool. And I think it just gives people more of a, a true glimpse and much easier for people than having to Google themselves. So we know how people are these days. You got that swipe up. It's a lot easier. What's up? Booyah, peace. <laughs> I know how pumped you are. <laughs> so I thought I would congratulate you. It is crazy, man. The election coming up. The election is if you're listening to this on Monday, it's tomorrow. If it's Tuesday, it's today. I, I just I think it's important. Go vote. Please go vote. Um, some people see it as your civic duty to go do that. Some people don't, and it is what it is. I almost feel like you cannot say anything or post anything, you know, derogatory or give your views and then not vote. You have to vote. Like you actually have to do the thing <laughs> that uh, that is going to make a difference. So I encourage everybody, you know, whatever side you're on, everybody's got political views. Political views. This is not a political podcast. This is a hockey podcast, so we won't get into all that stuff. But I would encourage everybody to uh, to vote and uh, voice your opinion that way. Um, because that's something that can affect some change, you know, in our country. And so uh, encourage everybody. I voted last weekend, did early voting um, and encourage everybody to go out and uh, and do that. I would encourage everybody to also remember that no matter what happens, we're all Americans. And that <laughs> We should be we should honestly, man, we yeah, should be so right. looking at our neighbors like we're in this together. And there's outside forces trying to take us down and divide us like. We're all Americans, man. Reach across the aisle, reach across the street. Get, I mean, I, if I don't know if I was gonna say give your neighbor a hug, but like with COVID, like whatever. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like we're all in this together, and it's just so much hate and all this stuff. And Toph and I are about the love, man. So like, spread some love, spread some positivity. No matter if your candidate wins or loses, let's move forward and let's just be better, everyone. Please, I can't take this negative full spit anymore <laughs> i hear you and hopefully our podcast can provide that positivity and love to everybody that listens to us and and like we say every week we so you know we so appreciate all of your guys' support for what we're doing and uh, if you can provide us some feedback shoot us some ratings and reviews on itunes and apple podcast share us with your friends if you feel like we're spreading the love and positivity and we're making the hockey world a little bit better and uh, we certainly uh, we're very, 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 very appreciative of Matt Nickel for sitting down with us uh, for about an hour to talk some some shop. And uh, I think you guys are going to love this conversation with Matt. So uh, without further ado, let's head it on over to Matt Nickel. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast from right around the Toronto, Ontario area, Matt Nickel. Matt, how are we doing today? I'm great, guys. How you both doing? Doing well, doing well. I can tell you that uh, Jeff is extremely, extremely excited to get to talk to you today, uh, just being in the same field. I know he's learned a lot from you and, and loves the stuff that you're doing. Uh, but before we get into the stuff that you guys can geek out about, uh, I'd love to just ask you how you got passionate about the strength and conditioning field and, and how it kind of merged into being able to work with some of the top hockey players in the world. Yeah, well, I, I think it's probably uh... – a story that's, uh, you know, as old as time, as far as strength and conditioning goes, not, not that dissimilar. I would imagine than most strength coaches, I was an athlete and, 
you know, was probably, uh, you know, slightly above average to average uh, athlete uh, and realized if I wanted to have any success, I would have to, to train and work hard at it to, to, to be better. So I think I, I had a passion for training myself. Uh, you know, and that's, that's a story again, very similar to most strength coaches, I would imagine. And, uh, you know, when, when it, uh, when my career sort of flamed out and that was the end for me, I had developed, uh, you know, you know, certainly this is used to this passion, but really along the way also had started to, uh, take it a little more seriously and read up about it and study about it and seek out expertise of other coaches and look at different training methods. So by the time my career was done, I, I think that I was spending as much time, uh, on the, on the training, you know, in the off field, I wasn't a hockey player, I was a football player. So I was spending as much time off the field, in the gym, on the track, that sort of stuff as I was on the football field. And, um, you know, I guess the, in, the way that it happened for me was there was a group of us on my college football team that, uh, we, we trained together and I would go home in the summertime. My, my university was in Montreal, Canada, and I'd go home in the summertime and I trained with, a a powerlifting group uh, in my hometown and I, and I trained with a track and field coach in my hometown. I would come back and I always did really well on our, you know, our physical fitness. It was the physical fitness stuff, the typical combine training. I'm sure that everybody's familiar with bench press squats, vertical jumps, sprints, all that, all that good stuff. So uh, a few of the guys in the team, we, we had a strength conditioning coach, but it wasn't really a, a full-time position. They, they, you know, they were a very well-intentioned person, but you know, they didn't, uh, they didn't have time to dedicate it to it in the way that, you know, a division one coach would do nowadays. So uh, I sort of became the de facto strength coach for a small group of guys on the team. And I would just sort of regurgitate the programs that, you know, that I was doing and, uh, and it was, it was a lot of fun, but a, a bunch of the guys on my team did go on to play pro a couple of them played in the NFL and then a bunch played in the CFL. And for a few of those guys, uh, I would continue to write uh, the workouts. So I was teaching high school when I graduated university and, and I got, you know, some calls and emails from some of these guys saying, Hey, do you have any of those old workouts that we used to do? And I thought, yeah, sure. But, you know, and, and I could send them those old workouts, but then I, I would sort of look, okay, well, is there anything better we could do? And I started to do some research and it was just, just purely for fun. I didn't, you know, there was no uh, aspirations of, of this being a profession. I just, really enjoyed it. I would go, I'd go home and I'd, you know, finish my lesson plans for school. And I would spend twice as much time writing the programs for, you know, for some of my, my old former teammates. And then a few of those guys, you know, had, you know, decent careers and uh, were able to hire me on professionally. And I sort of fell into it that way. So again, it was never, uh, it was never a plan that I had to do that. I didn't, I didn't even know that you could do that as a profession. Now, keep in mind, this is, you know, 22 years ago. So in Canada, 22 years ago, the industry was, was, pretty non-existent. So at least certainly privately, there wasn't much going on. So, uh, you know, I guess sort of fell into it organically that way and, uh, I've never looked back and it's, uh, it's been a pretty wild ride for 22 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I can imagine how, how much different, uh, are your workouts today than where they were like 22 years ago? It must be just night and day based upon all the stuff that you've learned and how much the field is changing, huh? Yeah, you know what? It's funny that there's sort of this uh, this journey. Like I could tell you that um, in some in some ways, some of the basics, and I think that I'm I'm very fortunate in that. You know, I I learned. You know, I spent a number of years kind of you know, you know, fumbling through the darkness at the YMCA or your high school gym, like most people do. But I think I, when I first learned to actually train, you know, uh, to squat and deadlift and I, I was taught by a guy who was the Canadian national champion and a Canadian record holder in powerlifting. So I think I, I, I was lucky in that, 
you know, I had a, a good foundation that way. When I, when I first learned how to sprint, uh, I did it with, uh, you know, Brett McFarland, who was a, our national team sprint coach, a hurdles coach. And so I, I had a good foundation of proper education. Uh, you know, uh, I learned, you know, my, you know, weightlifting from a competitive weightlifter. I, I, I had, you know, uh, some really, really great early mentors that way. So I would say that kind of the, the basics haven't changed, you know, like, uh, we still do a lot of the basic things that, you know, I did 25 years ago and people did 25 years before me, but yeah, but absolutely to your point, uh, there's a lot of things, you know, when I look back, I think, you know, mostly it's the inefficiencies. I think, you know, I, I would have been in the gym two hours every day and, and probably early on in my career when I was training other people, I had them in the gym for, you know, maybe, maybe an hour and a half and two hours. And I've just, I think there's, there's a lot of inefficiencies in what I did now. I think over the years, you learn how to be a lot more efficient and a lot more respectful of time, especially with hockey players. You have to keep in mind that, you know, it's a skill sport and they need to work on the, on the skills of hockey. And it's not just about uh, barbells and dumbbells. Surely. But uh, how important is it? Do you think just, and we've always been a huge advocate on this podcast of being able to play multiple sports. How much of a benefit do you think it is for you that you've been able to coach multiple sports and coach athletes in football and hockey and these other sports? Is that, uh, is that been really good for your education and and ultimately fine tuning your skills as well? Yeah, absolutely huge. You know, and growing up or at least in high school, I played everything and, uh, you know, I probably played more basketball even than I did football. I just, you know, wasn't good enough at it to, to play it at the next level. But uh, I, for, for sure, it makes me such a better coach because there's so many, there, there's so many carryovers between all these different sports. Uh, and for, it's the same reason why I have all of my NHL players play it, not, multiple sports. And it's not just something that we should preach to little kids because it makes them well-rounded or it's fun or any of this stuff. I do with my NHL players because I know it makes them better athletes. You know, we play, we play volleyball, we play basketball, sort of modified versions of that. And we play spike ball every day if we're at the track to warm up. Uh, we, you know, our, our goaltenders play squash. We're always playing different types of games because I really do believe that it makes them better athletes. But uh, as you were saying, when I'm, and I'm working with some, some of these athletes are, you know, Olympic gold medalist in, in bobsleigh, world champions in rugby, Olympic silver medalist in, in uh, track and field, uh, football players, basketball players. To be able to, to pick little bits and pieces from the training of those different worlds of sports, uh, it's invaluable. You know, and there's things that are, are, are commonplace and that in my world or Jeff's world that if you share them with, you know, a basketball strength coach, you might think that they're really cool and cutting edge. And I think by collaborating and working together with uh, with athletes from those sports and coaches from those sports it just makes everybody better yeah for sure and the other thing too do you ever like train your olympic athletes and maybe some of the other sports with your hockey players too because i feel like just having played at some of the higher levels like you always just get such a respect for those kind of people and the work that they do because we all we all live in a bubble right especially hockey players we're in our ice rink bubble all the time but then when you get a chance to interact with some of these other high level athletes it's almost like learning by osmosis so do you ever get like the the guys from different sports or women and men together in the same gym to kind of kind of learn from each other and stuff absolutely i mean if you absolutely we do and you know i can think on you know if i went back to Last summer, the summer before that, we've got a you know two-time NBA world champion in there with my hockey players, uh, you know NFL, you know Super Bowl contender in there, or, uh, Olympic silver medalist. 
and it's it's really cool to see the mutual respect that that each of those athletes has for the other for for a variety of different things you know like i've got like you know a 325 pound nfl lineman telling me how how like crazy and tough hockey players are you know because they because of how they fight and punch each other in the face and block shots meanwhile these guys are looking at this guy like he's just you know he's just a monster and they're like in there so it's it's cool to see how they all respect each other and how you know maybe maybe one one athlete has got a superior level of strength but the other athlete's got a superior level of fitness or conditioning and 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 it's it's just it's it's really neat for the, all those athletes to see excellence at the, at the next level, you know, and it's, and it's really cool. Sometimes some of these Olympic athletes, because they don't have the multi-million dollar deals. And, and a lot of them are just kind of straight, but, but they're incredible athletes. And, uh, you know, so to, to see the respect that, you know, some of these guys making, you know, six, eight, ten million million a year, you know, look at these Olympic sport athletes who are, you know, barely scrape them by, but show them the respect and the appreciation and give them all the credit that they deserve. That's cool too. Yeah, I can imagine. So, and what's like the, what's the mindset? Because, you know, as a hockey player, we play, you know, three times a week or we play on the weekends or whatever. And I always had just like such a respect for the mindset of some of these Olympic athletes who literally train for four years. I mean, they dedicate their entire lives for something that could possibly last 10 seconds, you know? So like, take me through, take me through like the training, uh, like not even necessarily the training physically, but even the mental training that these people go through. Um, and it just how intense and, and how incredible it can be. Yeah. And I think when you say mental training, it's interesting because sometimes it's very formal and some of them have sports psychologists or mental strength coaches. And it's very, very systematized and very formalized. And, and a lot of them, I, I think, I, I really do believe that in many ways, you know, you're a great strength and conditioning program is, is, is also great sports psychology because you're teaching these athletes how to set and achieve goals, how to do, uh, how to persevere through challenging times, uh, you know, how to, how to get comfortable being uncomfortable and, and doing things that you maybe don't want to do, but for a greater good. And uh, I think there's a ton of potential uh, in that gym or field or track environment uh, for some really, really cool sports psychology interventions. Um, but to see, as you said, yeah. And we, and you know, we've got a variety of, you know, different athletes that have different demands. And like you said, you might have a hockey player that plays three times a week. Uh, I have professional tennis players who have no off season. You just sort of play as often as you can to win as many matches as you can to advance your ranking, to make as much money as you can. And you just kind of live this nomadic lifestyle of training when you can training around injuries, training to your injuries. And, and, and as you, as you alluded to that, you've got Olympic athletes that maybe train for, for four years for that, you know, that one moment, uh, you know, so that you said might last 10 seconds, or if you think of some of these, I've got some winter sport athletes that do things like ski cross and, and, you know, it might not even be 10 seconds. You might be, you might be in perfect shape and you've trained perfectly and all the stars are aligned and the person in the gate next to you just skis into your path and wakes you out and there goes your Olympic dream. So yeah, it's, uh, it, it's interesting to see the different strategies that not just different sports, uh, use, but different athletes within different sports use. It's, 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 a, you know, I feel like I've, I'm supposed to be the coach. I'm supposed to be the, the guy who's dispensing the wisdom and the guru guy, but I feel like I've got the best seat in the house to, to watch and learn and observe all this stuff. And I'm just sort of sharing the 
things that I'm learning in real time with, with, uh, with the athletes that are there. That's unreal. That's absolutely amazing. Is there like you having the ability to work with some of these just elite athletes, some of the best athletes of the world at their respective sports, are there like one or two things that are kind of uniform between them and their, in their mindsets or the way that they approach going to the gym and their training that separate themselves maybe from the competition? Because I mean, if you're at that level, then physically you've, you've been given some gifts that other people haven't, but still there's a lot of people that have been given gifts <laughs> that don't amount to doing some of these amazing things that they have. So is there something as it relates to their preparation or something that as it relates to their mindset that the kids that are listening to this podcast can be like, okay, if I do maybe some of these things, I can really get at as close as I can to the potential that I can like some of these world-class athletes that you train. Yeah. Great question. Well, I would say if I'm slanting this specifically towards any young athletes out there that are listening, uh, the time that we're living through right now, these unprecedented times that, you know, for, for a whole lot of reasons really, really suck, obviously. Okay. That's an understatement of the year, but <laughs> I, I think that if you want to be a, a, a world-class athlete, uh, a world champion, Olympic champion, if you want to get to that level of sport, you're going to have to learn how to deal with adversity. You're going to have to learn how to deal with upsets you're going to have to learn how to deal with injuries. Uh, you're going to have to learn how to deal with, you know, coaches that maybe aren't always fair with referees that make bad calls that weren't your fault. That's, that is the common thread that would run through any of those athletes, whether it's a, you know, an Olympic skier or a NBA basketball player or an NHL hockey player. There are lots of guys that had potential and there's lots of guys that, you know, trained hard, but, were you able to to stick with it when the going got hard, when the chips were down, when when it looked like it wasn't going to work in your favor? Were you able to, you know, I don't want to say suck it up. Uh, this problem shows a, uh, a more eloquent way of saying it, but were you able to find a way to deal with that adversity, uh, to, to still continue to believe in yourself, maybe when other people didn't? Uh, and, and this time that we're in right now, it's a great opportunity to develop those skills. So if you can find a way, if you're a young hockey player and I can, you know, if I'm speaking for ones that might live in, in my area or areas like mine, your gym might be closed. Maybe you, you don't have access to go to the weight room. You maybe, maybe there's no practice or there's no games. Uh, you know what? It's not ideal. It's definitely not. No question about it, but that doesn't mean that you can't sleep right. It doesn't mean that you can't eat right. It doesn't mean that you, you can't, you know, do push-ups in your basement, that you can't go for a run, that you can't work on your core stability, your mobility, you know, lots of exercises that, that you don't need fancy equipment for. And you can look, there's tons and tons of, you know, you look, look at the sports of boxing or wrestling or gymnastics. There's, those are world-class physiques and world-class athleticism that's been built with little to no equipment whatsoever. So if you can find a way to be successful in 2020, and to keep, you know, progressing and getting stronger and improve, working on your skills, you know, stick handling in the driveway, shooting against the dryer, the Sidney Crosby style, you know, like your parents will let you. If you can find something that you can do this year, then you can handle anything that comes your way later in your career. So it's a great opportunity to work on, on building those skills to deal with this adversity. I love everything you just said, Matt. And that's, that's so true. It's kind of like when you're injured, if you, if you hurt your leg, uh, you could still work out your upper body. It's the same idea as right now. It's working your mental muscles too. And it's 1% better every day. Like 
I wrote, I wrote a bunch of programs for people at the start of COVID. We're here in St. Louis where I'm from and where my gym is, where I was like, you know what? I'm going to show you how to make homemade weights out of a backpack or a duffel bag, rocks and a scale. And I was like, weigh out each rock. I love it. And you can, and you can write down this rock weighs five pounds, set it on a piece of paper. This rock weighs three pounds, set on a piece of paper. And then when you do, if you want to progressively overload that bag, week one, you put in the first rock, it's five pounds. Week two, you rock one plus rock two, now it's eight pounds. And you continue to do that. Like you said, you can, you have to find a way. And on top of that, if you really want to be good, you can look at, at the hard times like this as a way to separate yourself. And I'm in the gym with my pro guys right now, and it's been hard. Some of them have been working out with me since March, and they're rattled. Some of them went to the bubble and came back, and some of them have just been with me the whole time. And, you know, there's hard days for them, and I totally get that, but I keep telling them how many other guys are going through this, and they're giving up. How many guys are just deciding to golf every day? And I, I trained some guys who, before they went to the bubble, who aren't my normal guys, who were just golfing every day for two months. They went to the bubble. They were not in shape. Their team did not do well. So, like – you can find a way and you can separate yourself. It's just continue to get 1% better. Like you said, find a way to get a little bit better every day and you're winning. I love it. That's, you know, you hit the nail on the head and you, and Jeff, you know, this like, if you're going to make like hot, that's the, that's the cool thing to me about hockey or, or the bad thing, depending on how you want to look at it. But I know like, for example, if I, I played football, as long as you're good enough to get on the team in grade nine, you know, you can hang around, even if you're not great, you can hang around and all of a sudden in grade 12, you can blossom and really kick it in. And then you can be good enough to make a university or a college team. And then as long as you're good enough to just hang around, you've got three or four more years to slow cook in the system there. Hockey, there's a, there's a cut down every year. These kids, when they're, I don't even know when it starts, like seven years old, eight years old, You've got to face scrutiny every year along the way. You've got people judging you, criticizing you. you. You're going to have to learn to be resilient. So everything you just spoke about there, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, oh, my gym's closed, so I'm just going to sit on the couch. I can't do anything. What do you, no, there's, there's, you know, like maybe it's not optimal. Maybe it's not ideal. You know, it's no different than, you know, maybe, maybe you know, your team gets a penalty call and it's a, you know, you're, 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 play, you're killing a penalty that you didn't deserve. It was a bad call. Well, what are you going to do? Are you going to kill it off and, and get back in the game, or are you going to sulk and let the other team score? So everything you said, I, I, I couldn't agree with that more. And I love, I love that idea of weighing the rocks out. That's super cool. <laughs> it's super cool or super meaty is what most people say. But, uh, no, you know, I, I love it. I love it. I, I don't like giving people excuses. I, I like, like, you know, Tolf and I, we both went through quite a bit of adversity through different things in our careers. And, what we found, especially in retrospection, looking back is all of those times that were, we thought were super hard and, you know, the sky is falling are actually what made us who we are as people today. And it actually made us better in our career long-term. So like, you know, it's like, a, you know, I know it's bad in Canada and, uh, my buddy, Brian Galvin, who told me to say hi to you is the USA strength coach. Oh, um, yeah. you know, He's the man. We've had him on this podcast before. Yeah, he's, he, you know, he's one of my one of my favorite people in the strength and conditioning world. Um, you know, I know they've had a tough time in Michigan. They've had to do outdoor workouts almost the entire summer in the heat, and, and guys are showing up at every day. And you know, it's these tough times. You're going to look back and kind of be like, man, like that made me. That made me. And you just got to keep believing, and like you said, keep getting better. 
absolutely, absolutely. You know, I think it's funny. I think like my um, my great uncle uh, was a boxer, competitive boxer, and he still went to the boxing gym. You know, up well into his seventies, and we hit the heavy bag. But I remember, you know, being sixteen years old and him teaching me how to skip rope. And I would go out in the backyard and I skip rope all year, all year long. And I'm, I mean, literally every day for about a year. And I remember, I still vividly remember this one day that one of my uh, high school teachers, I said, I want to increase my vertical jump. You know, I'm a high school basketball player. You know, what do you want to do? You want to dunk a ball. It's, that's, you know, it's the only reason a guy like me is playing basketball. And I, I have no aspirations of going to the NBA. Right. So, uh, but I remember him giving me this weighted vest. And when I say weighted vest, I'm not talking about the stuff that like Jeff or I would use now with this, you know, fancy neoprene. This looked like something, I don't know if it was like a leftover from World War One. I. I don't know if the, I don't know what this thing was, like some kind of bulletproof. But I, remember, <laughs> I, I remember going out and skipping. Just no no program, no plan. Just you just do it until you can't. And I remember not literally not being able to walk up the stairs at school the next day because I'd probably tore every muscle in my calf. And it's it's stupid and it's idiotic, but that's part of the process. And that's, unfortunately, I think that's something that, that kids today, there, there's so many great things about what guys like Jeff and myself and Brian and whoever else are doing. One of the bad things though is that kids are so programmed, you know, that they don't think to them, they don't think to go get a rock and lift it up. It's great. That, it's great that you're giving them that wisdom and good for you and, and lucky for them. But I think that that's something that can be harnessed and developed right now is that, you know, that ability to just sort of find a way, get it done, get something done, be, find some way to be better. And I, I think that kids today need a little bit more of that, you know, of that, you know, uh, ability to sort of just, I don't know, think outside the box and find a way to get better. I would agree. And something I've, <clears throat> something I really like notice is that, you know, that's old saying, there's no bad questions, but it kind of goes along the same lines. Like I'll have kids text me, call me, DM me on Instagram and ask like the most ridiculous questions that are so easy to find. And I'm like, you have everything at your fingertips. You have Google, you have YouTube, you have coaches, you have all these things. And you ask like the simplest questions. And it kind of goes back into that same thing that you're saying. Like, you know, when we were all younger, it was like, well, go outside and just like make something up. Like just go do something. Now there's so much instruction that it's like, there's a lot less thinking on their own. There's a lot less imagination that they put into things. And is there anything you do? Like, do you work with younger athletes or are you strictly just the highest level now? No, we have some, it's not, it's not a big part of, of my business, but we do have some young athletes and, and I, I would agree with you. And I think that's especially in Toronto, you know, uh, you know, maybe less. So if you go, you know, a little further away into smaller towns, but Kids here are just from a very, very young age. Everything is programmed for them and organized for them. And I think there's a, there is a part of that process. You know, I, I look back, you know, Tolf, you asked me a question early on about have my programs changed? Uh, and, you know, they have, they, they have changed, you know, but if, if you ask me is, my, is how I train people different than what I do, oh, my God, I think of some of the programs that I did. I started going to the gym when I was 14 years old. If I look back at some of the things I did, it's just – it's. It's comedy. It's not even, it's not even, it's so, it's so bad. Some of that stuff, it's embarrassing. It's, and it's so bad that it's funny, but I feel like that's part of the process. And, and you said something, Jeff, as well, like these kids have all this stuff at their fingertips. Well, I'm 45 years old. We didn't have that. I didn't yeah. have, a, I didn't have a computer until I was done my, I've done my undergrad in university. So there was no Google. If you wanted to learn something, like if you wanted to know how to work out, you had to go find some guy who looked pretty jacked and ask him, <laughs> ask him what he did. <laughs> or you go to the, or you go to the Y and you like try not to look like a creep and you stare while he's doing it 
And then when he leaves, you go try to do the same thing he just did. Uh, and you know what? Then you figure out as you go. And it's, it's not the most efficient way to do it. It's definitely not the best way to do it. But I think you do build a certain quality uh, that, that kids today maybe don't have because they are so programmed. And I think, you know, no, I think if any one of us, and you know, were in a situation like this, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe I wouldn't have gone out and weighed the rocks, but I would have found a rock and picked it up and threw it or, you know, I don't, I don't know, carry it around or something. You would have done the same thing. You know, Tulp, you would have done the same thing. So I think that that's something that it's an opportunity for kids now to say, yeah, you know, it's not ideal. It sucks. Yes, it sucks. We get it. We, but what are you going to do? You just, you know, you just, you got a bad penalty call on you. What are you going to do? You can't change it. Referee's not going to change his call. You got to go out and kill the penalty, find a way to get it done. <laughs> That's for sure. I just have like a visual right now of Jeff just like sitting at a YMCA, just like stalking somebody that's working somebody <laughs> out. <laughs> oh, um, that's, it's not a joke. I used to do that when I was starting <laughs> out at a, at a JCC, a Jewish community center. I'm not Jewish, but I was belong there. So I, I laughed as soon as you said that that was me when I was started lifting. <laughs> so let me, let me ask it's you guys true, this. Right? It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you guys this because like, you know, we talk about adversity all the time and Matt, you, you spoke so eloquently about it and how important it is, you know, as a coach, I mean, this doesn't just go to strength coaches. This coach just this goes to coaching just in general. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer that adversity and that resiliency is a muscle. It's something that you can get better at or get worse at based upon the decisions that you make every day and how you choose to treat yourself, how you choose to treat others and how you choose to think about situations. And is that something that could be trained? Cause my strength coach, when I was at Cornell, he was awesome. Like we loved him. He was was great. And one of the things that he used to do is, uh, like we'd be, you know, we'd have a really, really hard workout and then we'd all be excited. We'd be done. You know, we'd be going in to put our hands in and say one, two, three, let's go red. And we would do the let's go red. And he'd be like, all right, to the hill now, here we go. And we'd Whoa. be like, we'd be like, are you freaking kidding me? Like we just did this entire hard workout. We can barely breathe. We can barely stand up and now we're going to the hill. And then he was like, okay, you're going to be tired in the third period things aren't going to be going your way. A bad call is going to happen just like you've been talking about. So we're training your mind right now that when the bad stuff happens, we're going to reprogram and be like, okay, nope, this is just a challenge. You know, this is just something that can make me a little bit better. Is that something that like as coaches, we can, I mean, we're, we can all train the physical stuff. We talk about training the mental stuff, but the adversity, the resiliency, is that something that you feel like we can train with our kids? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. You can. I believe that no one can convince me of it otherwise. And I can tell you, that's kind of the whole, I mean, there is a lot, and the science of strength and conditioning has advanced so far in the last, you know, certainly in the last 10 years, definitely in the last 20 years. But, like, I think that this is something that's not very scientific, is that I can tell you that as myself as an athlete, there was a couple of, and it's funny that you said to the hill, because there's a couple of hill workouts that I did, and I knew that I needed to do that before I went back to training camp I had to do it and I had to experience that feeling where you're, you're down on your hands and knees and you're, you're pretty sure you're going to lose your lunch and you, there's an outside chance you might die, but you're pretty sure you won't, but you're not hundred percent sure you won't that feeling. And, and knowing that, and, and, and I don't know, just, just so you understand that that's, that's going to come across to some people listening like a complete meathead answer, but uh, I, I don't, I don't prescribe that type of thing for my athletes. It's easier to prescribe it for yourself than for somebody else. But, I think that is the benefit of a lot of the work you do is that getting either, whether it's getting underneath us, getting underneath a scary weight that you're not sure if you can lift 
you know, getting on the line to do that conditioning drill that you, you know is going to suck and it's going to feel really bad. But doing it and then realizing, you know what, I didn't die. I, or, you know, hey, I, I crushed that. I was afraid to do it, but I did it. I sucked it up and I did it and I crushed it. And, hey, you know what, that carries through to the next time. So when you're in a game situation, I really, I really do believe that. And no one will convince me of it otherwise. But, you know, when that game gets late, in the, whether it's the third period or the fourth quarter, the second half, whatever your sport is, and you're feeling that fatigue, you'll get, no, you know what, I've been here before. I've been here before and I got through it and it's okay. And I'm going to do this because I did something harder than this, you know, and I, I really do believe that that breeds confidence. 100%. I, I think this is such an interesting topic, especially with like you brought in, like with technology and, and um, in the strength and conditioning world, like advancing so much and all of the wearable technology with, you know, being able to monitor and HRV and whoops and daily strain and all this stuff. Something I always ask those people who are creating this technology or, or really work with it a lot. I'm always asking, but like, so somebody comes into me tired and obviously more often than not, I should not push them. But like every now and then I do want to push them because I know it's, it's not, I don't know if unquantifiable is a word or let's just say you cannot quantify that mental resiliency, that mental toughness, like you're talking about, but it is so, so, so important. And I really do think that mental toughness, like kids are getting a little bit softer as, as I've noticed now being retired and coaching a couple of years. And over the last 10 years, I see it. I see that they're just, they don't, they don't have that killer instinct all the time as much as I feel like people had it when I was their age or when I was younger. And that's something I I'm always trying to push in my gym in a simple way for the people listening. Like our wall sits a great exercise, honestly, not really, but I'll put them in my programs strictly for that. I have NHL guys do a wall sit at the end of a workout and it has nothing to do with the benefits of a wall sit. It's literally because every now and then I want them to be shaking and be tired and be mad at me and want to quit. And I want to look them in the eye and start talking to them and be like, you go down. Somebody else is staying up. I would beat you. I'll stay up right now. There's a guy who wants your contract. He'll stay up right now. It has nothing to do with what is physically happening in your body to get stronger there. It is literally all mental. And I try as much as I can to train that. And it's really fun to do that with little kids, uh, you know, like every now and then we'll have them in our gym at night and uh, 10 year olds, 12 year olds, you know, they start screaming after 30 seconds. And when it's a team, I'll look them all in the eye and be like, are you going to be the guy on the team who lets your teammates down? And then immediately they're kind of like, well, I don't want to let my boys down. And then we start talking about all of a sudden a minute and a half goes by, you know, they started out wanting to go uh-huh. down at 30 seconds and they stay up for a minute and a half. Then they're all screaming and dying. But I'm like, Hey, So remember at 30 seconds when you wanted to go down and you were crying and you were screaming, you went a full minute after that. And then I talked them through it. Why is that? What just happened? Your brain was going to quit because things got hard. But then when we put the test to you, you wound up staying three times as long. And we kind of talk about what that means and how you can apply that in games when you're tired or practice and stuff like that. So like, it's so true guys. I really do think that it's something that needs to be harnessed. It needs to be practiced maybe it's really hard to quantify and maybe it goes against science every now and then, but I think that it needs to be done. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I think, you know, like, you know, the old saying, you can measure height, but you can't measure heart. Uh, I think that we measure, you know, when it comes to science, we like to measure things that we can measure, 
you know, we like to measure things that are easily measured and easily, you know, calculated. And I, I think that, and I, you know, I, I haven't seen you do it, Jeff, but I'm sure you do it, you know, with, you know, with good controls and in, in a safe environment. But I think that that's, uh, you're right. That is something like, I, I don't know how you quantify it exactly, but I, I can tell you for me personally, so we, uh, one example I can think of is that, that assault bike. You know, I, I, once a month, I do a little test on the assault bike and I know the day I'm going to do it. I like, I don't sleep well the night before. I hate every second of it. I make sure I go off and do it. Like I wait till no one's around and I do it. Cause I know I'm, it's going to be like painful. It's going to be awful. I'm, I'm genuinely scared a little bit of it, you know, especially the older I get now. It's the kind of a, that little reminder in your face about, about where you're at. But like, I do it because I want to know where I'm at. And I know that when I'm done, as much as it sucks and I hate every second of it, I know that, you know, when it's done, I, I have a, a, a little bit of pride. And I feel like, hey, you know what? I didn't have to do that. No one cares if I did that or not. No one's going to know if I did it or not. But I did it. I did it. And it's not something I wanted to do. And I sucked it up and I dealt with it. And I, I think that that is every bit as important to keeping these kids accountable and making them making them set challenging goals and achieve them and work hard to achieve them and 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 sometimes fail to achieve them and learn how to deal with that and get back on your horse. But uh, that's every bit as important as the sets and the reps and the weight and how many, how many of this you did or how many of that you did or what your time was on this and that. I think that's every bit as important a part of our job as anything else. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, one of the things you just mentioned, Matt, that I think is so, so important as it comes to, you know, these kids that really want to achieve some great things in, in their sport or wherever it is. And that's goal setting. And, and Vex, I don't know if we've actually talked much about goal setting uh, on this podcast. Uh, and but I, I think we would all agree that it is just so, so important. So, Matt, with with your guys that you're training, whether it be the elite hockey players that are playing in the NHL or the Olympic athletes, how important is that goal setting? And what are some things that you do with your players uh, to, to help them set goals that they can achieve later down the road? Yeah, it's, it's very important. And that's something I, you know, I talk about this a lot. We get a lot of every athlete that comes in, you know, certainly within each sport, but, but it's pretty common across all the sports. You know, everybody, when you ask them what their goals are, everybody wants to get faster and stronger. I mean, it used to be, it used to be stronger and faster. Now it's faster and stronger you know, everyone wants to get leaner, you know, some guys want to get bigger, some guys want to get a little leaner, but it's, it's all pretty much six of one, half dozen the other. So I try to really do a better job of narrowing it down with, with any athlete that comes to work with me just to find out, okay, what's the one thing? Like, what's the one thing that has to happen this off season for you to be able to say that this was an amazing experience working with me? If someone bumped into you on the street and said, Hey, what was it like working with that guy that you'd say, Oh my God, it was amazing. What's the one thing that has to happen? Like, so yeah, if I, you know, if I, if I increase your bench press, that's great. But if that's not the one thing for you, then that really doesn't matter so much. So we got to really, very, very quickly, very early on in a relationship, figure out with each athlete, what is the one thing? And, and sometimes uh, it's good to get outside opinions too, because sometimes they're, opinion of the one thing is not the same opinion of their coach or their, or their GM or the scouts or whatever the case may be. So I always like to take into account, I'll ask other coaches, I'll ask other players, Hey, what is it about this guy that's good? And what is it about this guy that, that he needs to work on? And then a lot of times I'll bring that information back to the player and say, okay, here's, here's the deal. 
I talk, I asked around, I talked to some people, and here's what people say about you. Do you agree or disagree? And if you agree, how are we going to change that? And then we set some really very specific goals that way. You know, because it's it, everyone, I mean, if you, if, if you show up to the gym with any trainer, as long as they don't do really stupid things or they don't hurt you, like any, any decent trainer anywhere should be able to make you a little bit stronger and a little bit faster and a little bit fitter, provided you show up and do the work, right? But if you want to be next level, if you want to be exceptional, if you want to train the best of the best, it can't stop there, you know? So we've got to figure out how are we going to achieve the goals you have specifically for you. Without naming names, since this is a hockey podcast, what are what are some of the goals that you hear from elite athletes, elite hockey players, so that you know the young players listening to this have something to think about that they should probably be working on? I think it's, it's all again, it's pretty homogenous. It's all you know. Everyone wants to get faster. One of the uh, one of the, the banes of my existence is the you know quick feet. <laughs> everybody wants quick quick feet and i always and this is not this is not just as it pertains to quick feet but even if someone even if a player was hitting me or a parent brought a young kid and said he needs to get stronger i would say okay well why how do you know how do you know he needs to get stronger give me a real specific like can you can you not knock other people down or are you getting knocked down those are two different things you know do you, I need to get faster. Well, how, how do you know you're not fast enough? Like, are you not able to keep up with other people or are you getting hawked, you know, like from behind, like, you know, DK Metcalf the other night, you know, like, are, are you like, how do you know? So I think that, but it's all, it's all sort of the same stuff. But yeah, that I have to say that that quick feet one, that's always my favorite. Cause you know, I, I need, I need to work on my quick feet and I'll, and I'll, if it's an NHL player, I can actually pull up video. If it's a young player, usually I can't, but I'll ask them, please demonstrate to me what, what exactly you mean. Like where, how is it you need your fit, your feet to be quicker. And, and, and inevitably that comes down to someone telling them to use uh, an agility ladder, which I'm not opposed to at all. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any exercise or any piece of equipment that is inherently good or bad. Anything could be good. Anything could be bad. So it's not that, but I just think a lot of times co- and it's a lot of coaches will throw these words out, but it's like, what exactly do you mean? Why, how do you know his feet aren't quick? You know, what is like a better way would say, what is the, what is he not doing? Go work on that. Like, what is the thing that happens on the ice that he's not doing that you want him to do? Go practice that. And then, and then my job is to figure out, okay, is he practicing it correctly, but he just does not have the requisite level of strength or power or balance or stability or whatever it is to do the thing that he's practicing. If that's the case, then we'll go train that. But just, trying to move your feet quick you know i'm not sure that works i'm so happy you said that because i've been doing this for i think this is my 10th year now um i started my company while i was still playing professionally and and that's like obviously the number one thing i want to get quick i want to get my feet quicker and i had a kid come to me last week or two weeks ago who said that and he's a kid who's you know he's he's a little bit overweight and uh i'm like well the same thing like what do you what do you mean quicker feet like i want to and then turns it i want to get faster and i was like well quick and fast are different things. I'm like, how many sprints are you doing? Like before, or after practice? Well, I'm not doing any. And we had Mike Boyle on this podcast. who's one of my favorite uh, strength coaches in the world. I, I love how he does things. And he came on and he's like, you know, the number one thing we did to work on speed for our players was we started doing sprints at the beginning of every single practice when the guys are fresh. And, um, you know, throughout my career, 
we'd always be doing sprints at the end of practice and a lot of like line work where it stops and starts after your hip flexors, your groins, your back already are pretty smoked. And so it's like, well, if you want to train fast, you want to do it when you're a little bit more fresh, if you're looking for just top end speed. So I'm like, you know, you should be doing sprints at the beginning of every practice, like get out there early, go goal line to blue line, do three to five, make sure there's ample rest between each one of them. And he's just thinking like, well, I, I want to start doing ladders and moving my feet fast. And I'm like, it doesn't necessarily translate. Like people just want to get on the ladder and move their feet fast. Like they see football players do those drills because they think that's what makes them fast. And like you said, for the parents listening, I don't know if you heard, but he said, you know, balance, proprioception, core strength, the, the prerequisite strength to get faster, moving your feet just really fast, like for no reason, doesn't necessarily make you faster there's a lot of things that go into it so don't be fooled by just these people just running ladders because that doesn't look anything like a skating stride and if you're trying to talk about getting faster on the ice running a ladder doesn't necessarily uh completely translate to making you faster it'll work on tendon stiffness and strength in the foot strength in the calf which will help with speed but like just moving fast to move fast doesn't do anything no i mean i I can go in the shower every morning and sing every day for the next 10 years. It's not going to make me Mariah. It's not going to make me Mariah Carey. You know, I can like, I can get a golf club and I'm not a golfer. So I mean, this is a pretty good example, but like I can go get a golf club every day and swing it a thousand times at a ball. Unless I'm swinging it properly, you know, I'm really probably not going to get better. I'm going to, I'm going to get really good at doing the shitty technique swing that I'm doing. Uh, I'm going to get that locked in pretty good, but uh, yeah, so I think that, you know, and I, at, you know, if I go back to one thing we talked about earlier, if you're, if you're at home and, you know, your team isn't playing and your gym is closed and all you've got is an agility ladder, hey, man, have at it. Right. Go for it. And, and pick up one of, go, go pick up a rock like Jeff did and carry that while you do it and try and do it, do it in a push up position on your hands and do anything you can. So I, you know, I, I don't want to get away from that. I don't want to discourage anyone. Anything that you're doing, to try to be better. I'm all for it. Right. But right. yeah, you're right. Like uh, you're right. I think that that's the role of guys like you or guys like me or Mike Boyle, Brian, whoever the case, you know, it doesn't really matter, but that's our role is to sort of help guide these guys and say, okay, I, I get that you want to have quicker feet, but what does that mean on the ice? Show, explain to me. And then, it, and then it's really cool when you see the light bulb kind of go off and they're like, well, you know, when I, like when I get the puck and I, you know, behind the net and I'm, as a D man and I want to, I want to get it out and I don't want to just dump it. I want to, I want to get in a better position and make that first pass. Then you talk them through, you say, okay, well show me what that looks like. Okay. So would it make sense that, you know, having stronger legs would help you, you know, get a, a stronger push on your skates to get separation from that guy. Would it make sense that like working on balance and proprioception would, would, would help you have better edge work? Would it make sense that, you know, doing, you know, doing some vision training or, or, you know, when you're on the ice, learning how to be, you know, play with a more heads up style would allow you to see better and make a better pass. Like then, then it gets really fun and cool when you can see the kids kind of connect the dots. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. Well, Matt, we've had you on here for close to an hour now, but one more question I had for you and Jeff, I'll, I'll ask this to you too, but you know, the way that we look at things, I look at it from uh, a coach's perspective, having been behind the bench and, and stuff like that. And we had talked about things that we feel like kids could really benefit from getting better at, um, outside of like, you know, the hockey skill type of stuff, the mental toughness and the adversity and resiliency and, and things like that. And one of the other skills, 
uh, that I think is getting a little bit lost nowadays um, that I would love to see more of when I'm in the rinks with the kids that I coach and even, you know, when I was scouting and stuff and that's competitiveness and, and, and how much do you guys and Matt, we'll start with you. Like how much do you emphasize competitiveness in, in your gym? And I can imagine maybe you're talking about competitiveness with, within each other, uh, whether it's playing spike ball at the beginning of practice or, or, or things like that, but also competitiveness, like internally to want to get better and to get your personal best and things like that. Like how does the competitiveness manifest in your gym when you're working with your guys everything we do is a competition everything every every drill every exercise every game is a competition and it, I, I don't even i don't even need to make it so it just it, it it is so i mean if you're dealing with that level of athlete they love to compete they take it they, they, it's just in their blood so now that being said, and that that flies in the face, and I'm I'm a former teacher, and a, you know a, I have lots of friends that are teachers, and that sort of flies in the face of the messaging now of like everyone's a winner, and you know it doesn't matter Ew. if you win or lose, just try. So, but but I would say this: I don't I don't love you any less if you come last versus first. You know I I, I don't I don't try any harder, or I don't give any more attention to the leanest player versus the fattest one, the weakest versus strongest, whatever the case may be, but you need to know where you're at and, and, it, and, and you're going to find out, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to let you know with, with respect, we're going to let you know because that's our job, you know, and, and we, we love you enough to be honest with you. And, you know, like if you, you know, jump up and rip off like one chin up and, you know, grab that bar and rip off one rep of, you know, 45 pounds on the bench press. I'm not going to jump up and down and give you high fives and tell you it's awesome, you know, but if you can improve those performances, I, I sure will, you know, and, and, but, but everyone knows. And I think it's a little bit, it's a little bit funny. It's almost a little condescending. Like if you're the tallest kid in the class or the shortest kid in the class, you know, you don't need, you don't need it to be rubbed in your face, but you know, you know, if you're the shortest kid in class and I tell you the tallest, it doesn't make you tall you know, right. So we treat everybody with respect and with love, but everything is a competition because that's, that's where it's going. If like, they, you know, if they're, if they're training with me, it's a decision that they've made to, to try to be the best they can be. And if they want to be successful at the next level, they're going to be scrutinized and they're going to be weighed and measured and held accountable by someone who's maybe not going to do it with, with that same love and respect, you know, but they are, they're going to be held accountable. So it's going to start every day in our gym. And, and uh, I don't care, you know, I don't care, I, I really don't uh, how much weight you can lift in any exercise. It doesn't matter to me. As long as, as long as you can lift more at the end of the summer uh, than you did at the start, or as long as your time on the sprint is a little faster than it was at the start, that's all that matters. So, so I am down with the concept of competing with yourself to be better, just be a better version of you. That's cool. I like that. That's a good message. But if you want to be an elite athlete, if you want to be a, a college hockey player, if you want to be a pro hockey player, that's not good enough because you know what? There's only, there's only 20 some odd spots on the team and that's just the way it is. And there's going to be a lot of guys that don't make it. And that's the sad, unfortunate reality of life, but it's, it's my job to kind of prepare you for that. I absolutely love that. And I definitely don't love the everybody's a winner and everybody gets a, a, a medal thing that we have going on now. Like you said, it doesn't make you me love you or like you any less, depending on what place you're in. I don't pick favorites like that. As long as you're trying to get better, like you said, than yesterday, 
I'm happy about. But in my gym, luckily, I'm fortunate to only train, um, you know, pros down to like 16 year old AAA players. So they're all kids who tell me they want it. Tell me they want to make juniors. Tell me they want that scholarship. Tell me they want a bigger contract in pro next year. So everything I can possibly do to make a competition, I will. On bikes, we I had guys doing bike sprints today in the pro group. Just very short sprints, start the workout. And at the end, I'm asking, all right, what calories did you guys burn? Who, who burned the most? And then I make sure, all right, he beat you guys. What are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to do next Tuesday when we do this? Spike ball, make it a competition. Running sprints, make it a competition. Don't ever want to lose, always want to win. Because that's what you have to do. This is sports. You're, tr- you're trying to be better at hockey. It's, everything comes down to a one-on-one battle. That's a competition. You want to win more than anything else in your day. It's the most important thing you do every battle, every shift every practice, every rep, every face-off, you have to want to win. So get dirty, get angry. Like, I don't care. Like, I believe, and I gave speeches to Stryker, to Dell, um, to another medical device company during COVID, and one of my pillars of what makes elite athletes elite is competition. Competition against yourself. In lifting, like we're talking about now, can you lift more weights at the end of each phase, at the end of the the summer compared to the beginning? Competition against your teammates, because that's extremely healthy. If you're not going to compete against your teammates, you're definitely not going to compete against your opponents. And then lastly is competing against your uh, opponents, and that's where you're trying to rip that guy's head off. Not actually, but kind of. And so like, if you can do those three forms of competition, and if you can do them all the time, you're going to push yourself to be better competition will make you a better person against yourself in the mirror, against your boys, against your teammates and against your opponents. So you will raise your level by learning to love to compete. And if you lose, it doesn't mean you're a loser. doesn't mean you're a failure. You learn from it. You take it as a learning experience so that you can compete better the next time and win. Absolutely. That's a great answer. I, I couldn't agree more. I love that Com- competition, man. It's, uh, it brings out the best in us. It can bring out the worst in us in times. It certainly brought out the worst in me at times. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, if you can learn to harness it and, and, and learn to love that compete aspect, it's awesome. Well, Matt, this has been just an, an awesome hour getting the chance to talk to you. I know Jeff's been looking forward to this for a long time. Uh, and we really respect all the work that you've been doing. We respect all the stuff that you're putting out on social media to help make us better too. And, uh, yeah, we just really, really appreciate all that you're giving to the hockey world and we wish you nothing but the best moving forward. Hopefully we can get everybody back in your gym here pretty soon. <laughs> I don't know uh, if that's going to happen, but we're really, really hoping for it. But thank you so much for taking the time to come on with us today. And uh, if there's anything that we can do to help you out in the future, certainly let us know. Yeah, really enjoy chatting, guys. Really enjoy. All right, good stuff. Have a good one. We'll talk later.